0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The James Wilson Show. Today, I will be talking about a lot of hot topics, including the Iowa caucuses, which ended in a disaster for the Democrats, impeachment President Donald Trump just got acquitted today, and the State of the Union. We'll get to all of that, including Nancy Pelosi's reaction in today's episode of The James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson. Thanks for listening. Okay, so a lot to get to today, but first we start with the Iowa caucuses. Now, I actually talked a lot about this on my in my previous episode, so you can go check that out with all the predictions I had who this will be important for, but I'll also be discussing that today. So, if you've been keeping up with the news re- recently, you know that the Iowa caucuses kind of ended up in a mess, and not only that, but at least my predictions were very wrong and so as many other people, many other citizens of this country. Actually Pete Buttigieg is currently in the lead. lead. At the time of this recording there's only it's only 86 percent reporting but that's still pretty close to 100 and the fact that Pete Buttigieg is actually winning right now is quite surprising to many Americans. We'll get to that in just a second but first we need to talk about what happened at the Iowa caucuses, and then we'll get into a little more of the actual results and what people are saying about it. So the Iowa caucuses were supposed to happen, and they still kind of did at least, on Tuesday, November, February 3rd, and I I was looking all night, when are the results going to come out? When are they going to start reporting? Not to mention they held the Republican caucuses. The, Donald Trump has some challengers. No one knows about them because... I mean, whenever you have a challenger challenge a president, they don't do very well. Donald Trump has been president for almost four years now, or three at this point. It'll be four next year in January, but it's it's obvious he's going to receive the nomination. We're not even going to talk about that on the show, just because his challengers don't really mean much. Not Most people don't even know what their names are, but it was landslide victory for President Trump at the Iowa caucuses, but let's focus on the democratic caucuses the stuff that's actually going to matter especially for donald trump he's going to have to verse one of these political candidates sometime in the near future in the general election so this kind of stuff is really important for him so actually what happened is they used this app to do some of the caucuses and this was the app was created by shadow incorporated and the app was not working, and it kind of crashed, and there was problems with it. So they actually weren't able to report lots of the results. Now I'll get to Donald Trump's reaction, including Shadow's reaction, the one who the company that created the app. But because of this, the results of the caucuses were actually delayed. Again, at the time of this recording, it's not even 100% reported what the actual results are. So. Lots of people are very upset about this app crash. We don't we don't really know who has won the Iowa caucuses yet. There's still some room for change as there's still 15%, 14% is not reported. But here's here's the big thing about this. I've been saying on this podcast for a while now that the Iowa caucuses are incredibly important. Now, the reason this is important It's because you have many voters who have not made up their mind on the primary election yet. Additionally, you see who wins Iowa. For example, let's just say Pete Buttigieg wins Iowa. That is very good for Pete Buttigieg because not only is he able to make a speech after, he's not only able to use that in in his campaign and on debate stages, saying that he won Iowa, but you've also you also got this chance with the american voters. The american voters see that you won that, that you're strong with the people of Iowa and strong with voters in general, and that actually helps you a lot in the in in the primary election and going into the general election. So the Iowa caucuses are very important. Now the reason they're at least a little more important than some of the other one other caucuses it's just because it's the first caucus so that has a lot of effects on your on the voters of America especially in some of the states coming up such as Nevada, South Carolina and New Hampshire but after this app cra- app crash it the the whole thing started to become really anticlimactic you've got this build up who's going to win is it going to be Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden what's going to happen and then app crashes and no results come out. Now, is the, are the Iowa caucuses still very important? Yes, of course they are still very important, but not as important anymore after this app crash. And I'll explain why. As, as I've already stated, the Iowa caucuses are very important because they you know, give voters an idea of what other Democrats are thinking and also gives the, the candidate who wins it a surge in the polls. Now this isn't going to happen as much with Iowa because as the results will still come out, it it's kind of happens in an anticlimatic way where people are ready for it and then it doesn't happen, and then when you do post the results, it's kind of just this side side thing. And it's like oh yeah, Pete Buttigieg won, good for him, and it's you know the build up for this has been happening for months, and then you reach the top, app crashes, and nothing comes out. Very anticlimatic situation so now let's get to let's get to what the new york times has to say first so they say quote without with iowa out of their control the candidates are campaigning today in new hampshire which holds its primary next tuesday several candidates are scheduled to appear in cnn town hall's events tonight and thursday night ahead of the next debate on friday so as we see from this as we see from the new york times reporting no one really knows what is happening in Iowa yet. It's a very anticlimactic situation. So the big focus is actually going to be on New Hampshire, not Iowa, which is something that never happens because Iowa is the first to vote. But in this case, because of the app crash, all these things, whoever wins New Hampshire is going to see that that those good polling numbers that one would normally see in Iowa. So we hear that from the New York Times. All the candidates are very confused. Actually, the app crashed, all these things happened, and all of the candidates started to say that they won. Now, when you think about it, you hear, let's just say, Elizabeth Warren saying she won. When you, when you have to think about it, all the candidates pretty much have to say this. And the reason they do is you've just come out of the night where, you know, you're supposed to know who won. And, you know, the app crashed, you don't have your results, and so people are expecting answers to what happened and to who won. Now, if you don't say anything, voters kind of get the impression that you didn't do so well. Now, the results are in, so candidates can still claim that they did very well, and no one really knows what happens. So, regardless of what you see on who says they're doing well in, in the primaries, especially in Iowa... You don't actually know what's really happening. They're pretty much claiming this because they have to. And because they have to excite the voters, they have to, you know, no one really knows what happened and they need to show voters, hey, hey, you know, Iowa didn't really work out, but you should still vote for me. So anyway, there's a couple of people, a couple of candidates on the stage that will really be hurt from this. The one who this will hurt the most is Pete Buttigieg. Now, before I get into that, let me explain. It's 86% done reporting, and here are the candidates and their standings. In first place right now, you have Pete Buttigieg, who has 11 delegates, uh, 26.7% of the vote count, and the official vote count is 512. Bernie Sanders in second with 11 delegates, so again, that's tied with Pete Buttigieg. The vote percent is 25.4%, so that's actually a 1.3% difference from Pete Buttigieg. So, again, we're only 86% done reporting. This could could change in the future. There's such few votes that have to change for Bernie Sanders to actually take the lead. And Elizabeth Warren at five delegates and 18.3%. And then finally, actually not finally, there's a lot of Democratic candidates still on the stage, not actually not on the stage they're still in the they're still running their campaign but they haven't made it to the stage in a while so we won't get to them that includes michael bennett andrew yang mike bloomberg all those candidates who we haven't actually seen on the debate stage but are still technically in the race as they have their campaign they're still running for president they're still officially running for president so those are the main four candidates The only one who doesn't have any delegates yet is Joe Biden. Now, this would really hurt Joe Biden. And, you know, Joe Biden started around 45%. If the Iowa caucuses were to happen even, you know, 10 months ago, this would be very different. It would be a blowout by Joe Biden. Joe Biden would crush every other candidate. But as we've seen, he's lost enthusiasm. He's really only dropped in the polls. Really hurts for Joe Biden. In fact, the fact that he got zero, zero delegates could really hurt him in the future. However, because of this whole anticlimactic situation, Joe Biden's kind of in an interesting spot. He could, if he still does really well in New Hampshire, he could actually be revived from this mistake. Now, if this app, if the app weren't to have crashed and everything would have went as planned. Now, this would have really hurt him because it's build up, build up, build up. Everyone's watching. Everyone's wondering. And boom, Joe Biden fails. That would be very disastrous for Joe Biden. So this whole thing with the app and the Iowa caucuses is actually really good for Joe Biden as long as he can do well in New Hampshire. We already know he's doing really well in South Carolina. He's really just he really has to prove that in New Hampshire, however. Now, the candidate that hurts the most from this is Pete Buttigieg. It's looking more and more likely that Mayor Pete is going to win Iowa, which is big for him. It actually wasn't predicted for him to win. In some polls, Bernie Sanders was even up 10% from some of the other candidates. So the fact that Pete Buttigieg is actually leading right now is incredibly surprising. Now, again, we're only 86% report reporting. And Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg are very close to each other, but the fact that Pete Buttigieg is even doing this well is really surprising, and he really needs to have some recognition for that, and that's not going to happen just because of this whole anti-climatic thing, as we've already seen. According to the New York Times, Kansas are already in New Hampshire campaigning there. They don't have any results to go off of, and it's really going to matter in New Hampshire, not as much Iowa. So this hurts Pete Buttigieg a ton. I cannot express enough how much this hurts him. Now, this does show us something. It... Uh, In news articles already, we see that Joe Biden is upping his attacks on Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren as he was one of the main candidates, and now he's even fading, getting no delegates yet with Pete Buttigieg all the way up at 11, tied with Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders, this this is another thing for him. He's kind of one of the in-between candidates. As we already know, Bernie Sanders was supposed to win Iowa or at least he was tied with Joe Biden in some of the latest polls and some polls they even had him up they had him doing really well and many people expected Bernie Sanders to win Iowa that was actually my prediction if you listen to the show just two days ago so the fact that Bernie Sanders didn't do that well didn't he's currently losing to Pete Buttigieg is not good for him at all really bad news for him. However, again, the main focus is going to be on New Hampshire and Bernie Sanders generally does pretty well in New Hampshire. So will he be able to do well in New Hampshire? Now we'll see next we'll see next Tuesday. Uh, if he can do really well in New Hampshire, we'll likely see his polling numbers go up, but this is not good for Joe Biden okay for Bernie Sanders, as he's still one of the top candidates, just not performing as well as many people expected. So we'll see what happens there. Now let's get on to what some people are saying, you know, on social media about all this. So Shadow, the one who created the app, first said, we sincerely regret the delay of the reporting of the results of Iowa last night's Iowa caucuses and the uncertainty it has caused to the candidates, their campaigns, and the Democratic caucus ongoers." So there's actually some states coming out questioning whether they should be using this app in their primaries. Bad news for Shadow does not look good for them at all, but of course they have to apologize. I mean, if they didn't, that would just be kind of flat out weird. (laughs) Big mistake by Shadow, if they didn't apologize, they would receive tons. They already are receiving tons of criticism, but... I mean, this was already expected. If they didn't apologize, that would just be weird. (laughs) So expected from shadow, but that's what they had to say. And then Donald Trump has two big tweets on this. So first he says, It is not the fault of Iowa. It's the do-nothing Democrats' fault. As long as I am president, Iowa will stay where it is. Important tradition. And then a second tweet, The Democratic caucus is an... uh, is a disaster. Nothing works just like they ran the country. Remember the five billion dollar Obamacare website that should have cost two percent of that. The only person that can claim a very big d- victory in Iowa last night is Trump. Now, obviously, we already talked about this. Trump did very well in Iowa against the candidates that many people didn't even know who he was, who who they were challenging Trump. But you do have those people. Donald Trump did do very well in Iowa, and it does lead to some serious questions about the Democrats being able to run things, Ted Cruz came out saying, you know, these are the type of people that want to control everything about your lives, who who want government to do everything for you, who want to control your health care, and they can't even run a simple caucus. Now, this does raise some really serious concerns because, I mean, the Iowa caucuses, you know, that's a small task compared to some of the things they want to do in office. So, interesting night for Iowans, you know, all that. The Iowa caucuses, very interesting for the candidates. It hurt many of them, but it also helped, you know, people such as Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren, who definitely underperformed. Really hurts Pete Buttigieg. Again, it's very surprising that he did as well as he Uh, did again we're not fully done reporting bernie sanders could take the lead but it's looking more and more like pete Buttigieg is going to win this which really stinks for him in this whole anticlimactic situation but next we get to impeachment so if you haven't already heard the news today president trump is officially acquitted impeachment trial is over we talked about on the show just on just you know last time on Monday, they had no more witnesses. They're going to vote to end this thing or to impeach Trump. We all knew, we all knew this wasn't going to happen. We knew the House was going to pass it. It was an extreme party line vote, and so we knew there was no way it was going to the Senate, especially because you have to have two thirds. You have to have sixty-seven senators vote to impeach Trump, and and you had. All but two Republicans uh, vote to, uh, to not hear from more witnesses. So we already knew President Donald Trump was not going to be impeached, but it's final today. President Trump has not been impeached. He has been acquitted. And... There is one person, however, who did vote to impeach Donald Trump on one of the articles, and if you have not heard about that, that is Mitt Romney. So Mitt Romney actually ran for the presidency as a Republican nomination in 2012. He lost to Barack Obama. But here is what USA Today has to say about this. Saying the president committed, quote, an appalling abuse of the public trust, quote, Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney voted to convict President Donald Trump on the first article of impeachment, becoming the first senator ever to vote against his party's president in an impeachment trial. This verdict is ours to render, Romney said in his speech on the Senate floor Wednesday afternoon, just hours before the historic vote. The grave question of the Constitution tasks senators to answer is whether the president committed an act so extreme that it rises to the level of high crime and misdemeanors. Yes, he did. Romney, a former Massachusetts governor and the 2012 Republican presidential nominee, was elected to the Senate in 2018 from Utah. Romney acknowledged that his vote would not affect the outcome of the trial. The Senate voted 52 to 48 to acquit on the first article and 53 to 47 on the second. Romney voted to acquit on the second charge, obstruction of Congress. Opponents needed 67 of the 100 senators to remove Trump From office. Now, before we get into this, let me just say I generally have respect for congressmen, women, all those people who actually vote against their party. But in this case, there's really no excuse to vote for impeachment. We saw this whole thing we've talked about on the show before. Many of the Democrats voted. Wanted to impeach Donald Trump before this whole Ukraine thing even came out. Extremely partisan. So, even though I generally have respect when Congress members vote against their party, this isn't really a, t- a time. There's really no excuses for voting for impeachment, which I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to explain this a little more. Like, whether it's Republican or a Democrat, I understand when you vote against your party. Actually, it depends on the situation, actually. I don't understand in this case. But what I'm trying to say is that it really shows something about you when you decide to vote against your party. When you vote against your party, it's generally not good for you. When you vote against your party, it hurts your reelection chances, and you get a lot of shame from your own party. So the fact that you're able to, so someone has the courage to do this, is something you should generally have respect for. However, again, this. There's really no excuse to be voting for impeachment. We all know that Senator Mitt Romney does not like Trump. He's, he's a very big critic of him. And, you know, the fact that we see this whole thing very, very partisan, I I, I really don't understand why... You would vote for impeachment. Now, if you want to learn more about that, you can check out some of my other episodes where I specifically talk about impeachment, including Monday's episode and last Wednesday's episode where I'll get into a little more detail. But that's just a little bit on Mitt Romney. But on the subject of impeachment, are any of these articles really constitutionally based? So you've got the second one, which is obstruction of Congress, which even Mitt Romney did not vote for. Where in the Constitution does it say that you can impeach someone for obstruction of Congress? The Democrats are claiming that this is under high crime and misdemeanor, which is in the Constitution. But I I need someone to explain to me why that's a high crime and misdemeanor. What, What did he do to obstruct Congress? Now, the real thing, what Romney actually voted to impeach Donald Trump on, was on the first article, which was abuse of power. Now, there's been some interesting arguments about that. But let me just ask you, as a, as a listener to the show, what does abuse of power mean? It could literally mean anything. Say you, I don't know, let's just say you drink at the water fountain for five seconds too long in elementary school. Is that abuse of power because you're using too much power over your other elementary school students? No one really knows. There's really no way to define abuse of power. And you have to be a little more specific about that. Now let's talk about specifically what Donald Trump did. Donald Trump wanted to investigate Ukraine in the 2016 elections and their dealings in that as they had just got done with the Mueller hearings. And then he also asked for a favor to investigate Joe Biden, and his son, Hunter Biden. Now, if Donald Trump had said to dig up dirt on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, if you do, or I will not give you aid, now that would be a very, extremely different situation for the president. However, there's a real corruption involved in this whole thing. If we look, Joe Biden bragged on live TV about threatening to fire their prosecutor, uh, and if they didn't, they would withhold military aid. And the prosecutor happened to be investigating Hunter Biden, who was on the board of Burisma So there's actually a whole lot of corruption involving that, and a president has every right to investigate corruption. If Congress was all of a sudden to say that you can't investigate corruption anymore, that would leave the president in a very hard... It would leave the president between a rock and a hard place. If a president cannot investigate corruption, what can they do? You know, really, if they can't investigate real evidence of corruption, what can they do? Is that really an abuse of power to investigate real corruption? And guess what? That corruption happens to be around someone who is running for president. Now, talk about this even started before Joe Biden ran for president. So really, there's really no way you can vote for abusive power i i strongly disagree with romney now again he did have the courage to go against his party but in the wrong way there's really no reason why you should impeach donald trump in the first place and democrats really hate donald trump and romney is not a fan either that likely explains why they voted to impeach him there's really no reason to impeach someone over abusive power when that's investigating real corruption now, again, if Donald Trump had asked Ukraine if you need to dig up dirt on Joe Biden and, hun- and his son Hunter Biden or you do not get aid, that would be a very different story, very different situation, but that is not what happened. Now, Democrats are very angry about this. They obviously saw it coming. I mean, if it's hard to think that Donald Trump was actually going to be successfully impeached knowing that you would have to get more than 10 senators to vote to vote a senator republican senators to vote for impeachment that was obviously not going to happen you know we didn't even see that in to to call in more witnesses so the democrats are very mad and they they like to make this claim that he donald trump is impeached for life now that drives me insane when, when someone says, well, you know, it doesn't matter, Donald Trump is impeached for life, huh?" it's almost, you know, being impeached is a bad thing, you know, if you're impeached, it looks bad on your record, <laughs> I mean, it, it's really not a good thing to have, and, you know, the Democrats have been rushing this thing forever, they're like, you know, we're going to impeach President Don- Donald Trump, like, Christmas, now we don't have to worry about Joe John Bolton. No, let's just get him impeached. All right, yes, he's impeached. We have these pens we signed it with, Now we're going to sell them. And he's impeached for life. Now, that doesn't sound very sad and somber to me, as Nancy Pelosi said. That seems like you're trying to rush it through so you can say, well, you know, no matter what happens, Donald Trump is impeached, and he'll be impeached forever, no matter what. So now there's been this new thing going around, going saying acquitted for life now it's really just to come back to what the democrats have been saying i wish none of this had started i wish they would have treated it seriously the democrats have not been treating this seriously we played a video on the show just a couple episodes ago of rashida talib on a video and in the video she she said Okay, we're on the way to the House floor to vote for impeachment. Oh, yes, my district is so strong, and I'm so happy to impeach Donald Trump! Yeah! Really ridiculous stuff. If they were actually treating this seriously, they would have called in the witnesses they wanted to have in the Senate. They would not have been trying to rush this through, and they would not be saying acquitted, I mean, sorry, impeachment for life. If really your only comeback on the president is that, well, you know, you're impeached for life. You really don't have, you know, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a dumb attack. And acquitted for life is a comeback to that, but in honesty, I wish this whole thing was treated seriously. If this thing was treated seriously, impeachment would not have happened in the first place. But that brings up some serious concerns about what we see, what, what we're going to see happen in the future. Our... Democrats just going to start trying to impeach a Republican president whenever? I mean, we saw it was a straight party-line vote, but because the Democrats had the majority in the House, they were able to impeach him. This is some scary stuff that we could see happen in the future. It's already happening more and more often, and that's, that's really scary to our democracy in the future. Imagine if the Senate was flipped and both the House and the Senate were Democrats next election, assuming Donald Trump won again. That would be some dangerous stuff. Now, let's be clear. If Donald Trump did something that was, you know, treason, bribery, or actually a high crime and misdemeanor, now, you need to have impeachment, and that's why the founders put it in the Constitution in the first place. But as we see, Democrats are way overstepping their duties as stated in the Constitution and really just trying to impeach Donald Trump because they don't like him and he's a Republican. So if the seats switch, that could be some really scary stuff, as we see in 2018. 20- after the twenty twenty election, okay. So for the last thing today in this episode, we'll get to the State of the Union. We talked about some predictions on that in the show on Monday, but the State of the Union actually happened just yesterday on Tuesday. Some very interesting stuff happened, and when I say stuff, I say I mean a lot of a lot of ugly things. So it, it just keeps getting worse and worse. So we'll start with the fact that lots of people didn't even, lots of members didn't even show up. So you have Representative AOC, Ayanna Presley, Al Green, Steve Cohen, Earl, Representative Earl, Democrat from Oregon, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, Hank Johnson, Frederica Wilson, and Maxine Waters. All Democrats that, you know, just decided not to go to the State of Union, which is Kind of ridiculous to me. Now, if Republicans were to do the same thing to Obama, that would have that would also irritate me. Because I think it's important that you go to the State of the Union. I think it's a sign of respect. And by not going, you're you're showing you're showing the American people that you don't care about this president and you basically hate them. I mean, why yeah, this whole thing. It's it's really crazy to think that Oh, you know, he's a Republican, so I'm not going to listen to him. I don't care. That is some dangerous, toxic stuff in, in our politics today, which could have some really devastating effects if we can't change this really partisan, I mean, divided country that we have right now. I think it's a sign of respect to go to the State of the Union, regardless of whether you agree with the president or not. Again, if Republicans were to do this during the Ob- uh, Obama's State of the Union, I would be very upset as well. I think it's a sign of respect. I think, you know, you're showing respect to the American people. And, you know, you're blaming all of this division on Donald Trump. But if you're going to be so divided because of Donald Trump, you're kind of at fault. And I'm talking to AOC, Ayanna Al Green, and all the people who are, make, who are dividing our country so much by not doing simple things, such as going to the State of the Union. So we start with that. We start with the fact that these people didn't even go. And then State of the Union's about to start, and it's tradition for the Speaker of the House to announce the President when the President comes in. So in this case, Nancy Pelosi announcing Donald Trump. So what they're supposed to say is, Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the President of the United States. Now, this is Nancy Pelosi to Donald Trump. So let's guess what she's going to say instead. So there's the whole part about the high privilege and distinct honor. Uh, you think she might leave that out? Well, let's see. Here's what she said. Members of Congress, the President of the United States. Now, again, this is something simple, just as simple as not going either. But you're showing disrespect to our country and our president when you don't do simple things like this. When you don't go to the State of the Union. When you don't show respect to the President of the United States. I've talked about this on my show with visiting the White House on sports teams. But regardless of who the president is, why can't we just agree to do something as simple as announcing the president in the correct manner or way, to show respect. Again, when I was in elementary school, I got the Presidential Education Award, something like that. And guess who was president when I was in elementary school? Barack Obama. But that does not mean I'm not going to accept that. Again, it's a, it's a sign of honor. It's, it's something so simple the Democrats just can't do. That's dividing our nation, our country, and, and the American people so badly i mean on the show we've already talked about people getting beat up for wearing a maga hat this is some dangerous toxic stuff now you may think that this is the worst of it people not showing up not introducing donald trump correctly but no it gets worse nancy pelosi at the end of the speech. Proceeded to rip up her copy of the speech. And I was watching it live at this point, so I actually noticed when it was happening some pretty scary stuff. So, you know, he finished his speech, he talked about how we have a really good economy, not to mention, Democrats like hardly clapped for anything. He, he would say something like, a woman unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in 70 years, and the Democrats would all just be stone faced looking at him, and everyone else would be cl- clapping. Like, that just that alone shows you how partisan how political this whole thing is getting so at the end of the speech you know president donald trump finishes it he starts to leave the podium to walk off and be escorted out and nancy pelosi takes her copy of the speech which donald trump gave to her at the beginning and ripped it up two pages at a time in front of congress now You know, we all know this was a publicity stunt. She wanted to do this for attention. Some really disrespectful stuff. And so the media, you know, began to ask her before she left some of these things. And here are some of the things she said. It was the courteous thing to do, considering the alternative. Considering the alternative? Nancy Pelosi, what did you have in mind? Like, seriously. Seriously. Is It's rude enough to rip up someone's speech after they just gave it. I mean, what else were you thinking of doing? It was the courteous thing to do? Just because it's better than something terrible you were about to do doesn't mean it was courteous at all. Literally, at, wow, it just, ah, ah, this drives me crazy. And then she also called it a dirty speech, which the White House actually responded to this, saying, Speaker Pelosi just ripped up one of her last surviving Tuskegee Airmen, the survival of a child born at 21 weeks, the mourning families of Rocky Jones and Kayla Mueller, a service a service member's reunion with his family. That's her legacy. Now going back to it was actually really cool. They had uh, a some wife a wife and her kids there, and you know he he announced his visitors that he invited to the State of the Union gave her story to the rest of the congress to all of us you know say that her husband's been overseas fighting so hard to protect you know our country and then he proceeded to surprise her with her husband actually being there and surprised her there you know it was a very emotional moment for her and her kids you know they got reunited a reunion with their family that's what nancy pelosi ripped up it, the booming economy the lowest unemployment rates ever including among minority members and women so so she called it so apparently that's a very dirty speech and that deserves to be ripped up i mean what does that show you about what she believes really it's only a dirty speech according to her because donald trump read it or wrote it actually he doesn't write it but it you know what i mean and then she also said, because it's a manifesto of mistruths. Ugh, the, the political divide we see in America today, that this is really toxic stuff. So there's the latest on Democrats' attack, attempt to boycott and stop the State of the Union. Really irritating stuff, to say the least. So in this episode, we talked about Iowa, impeachment, and the State of the Union, a lot to have gotten to today. I'll be back with another episode of The James Wilson Show on Friday. Stay tuned for more. You're listening to James Wilson.